Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. I'm Matt Cato, pastor at St. Mark's Luther Church in Los Angeles, California, chaplain to LAFC. And I'm Zach Pierce. I'm the pastor of Lutheran Campus Ministry at the University of Colorado Boulder and America's finest only institute of higher education in the Buddhist tradition, Naropa University. And Matt, I need to actually start doing my job because students are showing up next week. Oh my gosh, it's I know. time. Kind of have to work. Uh, and maybe I'll try to start a campus ministry this year. That'd be eh, fun. Eh. It's a lot of work. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Zach, let's uh, let's dive into the text. Let's do it. Let's ding, ding. do it. Oh my gosh. Uh, so it's uh, man, we have David. It's gone. Bye, David. He's sleeping with his ancestors. After all that talk about ancestors last week, David is now sleeping. With the, with the ancestors. I mean, ancestors. With his, and he's buried, not yours. And buried in a city named after himself. <laughs> of course. Buried in the city of David. Uh, he reigned over Israel 40 years. That's a fun number. Seven years in Hebron, and 33 years in Jerusalem. And so now Solomon, Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his kingdom was firmly established. Um Kind of feels to me like, uh, you know, his kingdom was firmly established. Kind of feels to me like David did all the work, though. And now Solomon's so. like trust fund, the trust fund. He's kid, a trust right? fund. He's, like, uh, yeah. He's a trustafarian. Uh, yeah. We have trustafarians uh, in Boulder. I'm already suspicious of this guy. Uh, so Solomon, but Solomon loved the Lord. Okay, fine. Walking in the statutes of his father, David. Uh, after we saw David's, uh, the statutes that David lived by near the end of his life, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, but okay, statutes of his father David. Only he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. That's an interesting line. He only sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place. He's only going to the high places. This guy, he's got some boozy tastes. He's a, he is a, he's a, he's a trustafarian. He's definitely a trustafarian. With the high places, man. (laughs) And Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. It doesn't seem quite necessary. It's a lot more than I've done. Burnt offerings. Uh, Given what we've known of God so far, doesn't seem like the number of burnt offerings is really uh, the critical piece. But okay, Solomon, thanks. Gibeon, the Lord appears to Solomon in a dream by night. Uh-oh, it's a dream. Whoa. Gotta love dreams. Uh, dream by night. Uh, God says, ask what I should give you. And Solomon, um, I kind of feel like that. Like Solomon is like buttering him, got buttering up God here. Like, I don't know. You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you. Okay, yeah, we were paying attention to the election in the last three weeks. Um, I don't know about that, but okay. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Though I am only a little child, I don't know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil, for who can govern your great people? What? What a suck-up. What a suck-up! He totally sounds like a suck-up. I always remember this story presented like, Oh, what a smart, what a smart move. Like he's already so wise. Like what a great thing to ask for. Like, it's like asking for more wishes. Like, wow. But, uh, he definitely sounds like a suck up. And then this is what strikes me too. Like, wasn't that the, wasn't that the tree in the garden that Adam and Eve weren't supposed to eat from? That's what Solomon asked for. 
that he wants to discern between good and evil. Like we, I thought that was not really the thing. Uh, I mean, like, I don't know. Um, but for some reason, it pleased the Lord that Solomon asked this. So God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. I do not according to your word. Uh, God gives him a wise, discerning mind. No one, uh, blah, blah, blah. He's going to give him wisdom and riches and honor. Uh, oh, no well, that's other good. So compare with you. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked. Uh, then I will lengthen your life. I feel like Solomon wrote that, but that's just... It was Solomon's dream. You know? <laughs> it was his own. Hey, guys, I had a dream last night. <laughs> Apparently, I'm now the wisest man in the world. <laughs> and I'm also good all the all the good stuff. So, uh, uh, yeah, just want to tell you about my dream. <clears throat> I didn't even ask for it, and he gave it to me. Solomon had a dream. What a dummy. It's not quite Martin Luther King's dream, but it's a dream. <laughs> it's a dream that... Yeah, I mean, that is, that's a good point, right? Like, to tie into stuff we've been talking about, we were contrasting David and Absalom last week. Visions in which God promises you to live a long life don't seem particularly cruciform. That's not a normal, that's not a, a, a promise that Christian God makes very often. Yeah, it's, it's a little strange. <sighs> but that's where my question comes in, Matt. I'm a campus pastor. I'm getting ready to do mm. campus ministry. Uh, I've been doing it all summer, technically. Just the not fun parts of it, of preparing and writing and grant writing and reports and all that kind of crap and planning. Uh, but I get to actually work with students now. Uh, and now, Matt, this somehow is my eighth year on campus here in Boulder. And uh, over over these long eight years, certain questions just come up time and again with students. And one of the interesting questions that lately I've been finding that the students always seem to be interested in are sometimes scared to ask because it feels dumb to them uh, is what happens when we die. It's a student that I find that quote, students want to ask me. On one hand, they're kind of scared to ask it because they feel like they're, there's some pressure to, like, to know the answer to that with our like formation stuff. But I, I don't know. I don't know what happens in your uh, confirmation classes and your Sunday schools, Matt, but I, I don't know if we ever really spend too much time directly wrestling with that question. Um, and here we get a vision of that death. David slept with his ancestors. Uh, slept with the ancestors. Right. And you've got, and you've got the, the dream of Solomon makes it sound like living a long life and not dying is a desirable thing, uh, that death is a thing to be avoided. Uh, so, Matt, I ask you, what happens when we die? Will we get to sleep with our ancestors? Absalom? Yeah, you just sleep with the ancestors. That's what we got, right? Sleep with the ancestors. Sleep. Oh, uh, apparently you could be summoned up. Uh, like, who did um, Saul summon up? Oh, yeah. Samuel? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can be awakened from slumber, but otherwise you're sleeping. According to this text. <laughs> so what's your answer, man? Qu student, you're doing coffee with a student, and they want to know what happens when we die. They may not ask it directly, right? They may be a Solomon and, like, talk around it and stuff, and you're like, oh, you want to know what happens when we die. Uh... What happens when we die, man? Well, you know, I would tend to, um, <laughs> I like to answer questions with questions. <laughs> uh, and not just to, not just as a cop out. I mean, I think like maybe eventually that becomes a cop out, but sometimes I find that like, if you just, if you answer a question too quickly, it makes it seem like you really do have some kind of be all end all answer. So I think it's helpful to, keep the conversation going um so i don't know I'm, i guess i would ask like what the student what what the person already thinks about that 
Um, I mean, it's almost a what do you think question. I mean, I, but I'd be sort of interested to know, like, what is that a thing where you had a particular idea in your head and that's changing now? Like, is that um, I kind of figure out what, what are the images already in the person that, that, that we've been thinking of? And then where like where would that information come from? Like, how would we how would we know that? Do we know it from is that a, an observable thing through science from uh, the five people that you meet in heaven <laughs> or college as the case may be? <laughs> uh, or is that, or is that something that scripture tells us? And if so, Oh my gosh, like you could do a whole scripture study on thinking about the different ways that scripture talks about that. It's not, it doesn't really line up with um, a lot of the ways we think about heaven in popular culture. Um, maybe there are a few places in scripture where it does, but that's certainly not a consistent uh, picture. Um, so I think there's a lot of different ways you could deal with it. Mm-hmm. How do you answer the question? I'm mostly going to start by saying that I don't know. Uh, I think that's a important thing to do, right? It gets at the same issue that you're, you're talking about, right? Like, I think it's important sometimes to say that we don't know. Um, and that on this thing that sounds like it, that, that feels like it should be a big part of, the culture tells us is a big part of what it means to be Christian. Uh, I think it's helpful to hear someone with some authority say, you know, I don't know, and I don't think anybody who who speaks with authority knows what's going to happen. I don't think they know either. And and ultimately, right, I do the same kind of. Hey, Matt, we may be competent pastors because uh, we we try to do the I try to do the same thing where like I'll talk about why is it important what happens when we die, and I'll flip it around into to kind of the to frame the stories about what happened when we die about in the same way I try to frame stories about kind of the beginning of life in like the creation stories. Um, that students are typically a little more comfortable talking about is that those stories matter because they shape how we live in the world today. So what matters to me is how a story about what happens when we die, what we believe in that, how that shapes how we live and move uh, in this world, in the world before we die. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's that's really good because the because part of what I was thinking when you said I don't know is that that's um it's relevant right like it would be one thing if the scripture just talked about where we go when we die but they actually like it's like not really a obvious thing and maybe that's relevant because it's not what we're supposed to spend all of our time thinking about um and then yeah the other angle is exactly what you said and then the way that we do think about it um shapes the way that we think about life here on earth either way it's it should send you right back to the moment that you're in um which I think is the moment God wants us to live in how are you connecting that to Solomon I think it's acceptable to be skeptical of Solomon. Wow, that is a sentence. It's acceptable to be skeptical of Solomon. It feels like we've entered the same trajectory that we were we entered with King David. Oh, well, David really screwed the pooch there, but Solomon's coming, and Solomon's going to take us directly to the top. Because it's so glossed over. Like, this is not a story that would be... It doesn't pass the drunk history test. So maybe what I would do, right, uh, thinking about putting the sermon together for this Sunday, uh, my kind of congregation and audience would be interested in knowing that students are are interested in what happens when we die and that that's a, a curious place for them. And connection, connecting that tension of this story beginning with uh, some words that sound very comforting, that David slept yeah. with his ancestors and was buried in a city that bore his name with with the promise of a long life. I mean, you could even connect in and do some like fault in our stars sort of things here, right? Like people in congregations, I think know that a long life isn't necessarily a good life, right? Like, like you, I mean, they're like, you could even 
connect in like a lot of hard choices that people in congregations have to make around their loved ones, right? Do we extend their life for two more weeks or do we let them uh, sleep with their ancestors now? Let's move to the gospel. The gospel, Matt. Uh, Is this the last week of the spread? Nope. We got one more week after this. Uh, This is week four, bread. Uh, But it gets flipped around, right? It starts with, again, overlapping verses. We ended with 51 last week. We start with it this week. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. But then Jesus says, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh, uh, which really sends the crowds uh, into some concern. Uh, And Jesus says, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. You do not believe. You do not belong unless you eat the son of man's flesh and blood. And here's the thing, Matt. Uh, that's a real problem uh, for you people with your ancestors because it is against the law. It is against the Torah to drink blood and eat flesh, especially together. You could eat meat, but you can never eat meat of the blood. It's prohibited by the Torah. Uh, you can't eat blood or fat. Um, and so what Jesus is saying, he's flipping things completely on its head. Uh, again, going back to Missy, Misdemeanor Elliot last week, uh, put your t- he puts this thing down, he flips it and reverses it, where this new thing that Jesus is bringing into the world is the thing that's going to break all of your old laws. You couldn't drink blood. The reason you couldn't drink blood, the Torah's thinking on this, was that blood was the life of a thing. And so... You could only eat meat that had been sacrificed at the temple. That was the only clean food, meat you could eat, because the blood was the part, the part that you needed to offer as the sacrifice. You needed to give life for life so that you might live, and you were atoned through an offering of life, which was blood. So, as I mentioned last week, Jesus is talking about eating his, his, and drinking his flesh and blood. He is not does not do so here offering it over like a symbolic ritual meal. Uh, where he's like, here, have my bread, have this bread, it is my flesh, have this cup, it is my blood. Jesus just says, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Does not soften it with symbol, but you need to ingest the very life of Jesus. The, like, I mean, you could think of it like as the marrow, right? Like the, the essence of the life of Jesus. Whew. The marrow. Yeah, there are some cultures in which that would, um, that's a thing. You're just, you're just like in the marrow. Um, yeah. Good, good. I mean, so I think here's where I'm going to, here's how it's going to be good news, Matt. And then we can move to the the playlist that it is eating and drinking the the, the flesh and blood of Jesus. That it's through that, that we answered that question a couple weeks ago. What is the work that is needed to receive the bread of life? And what that, the answer to that question immediately was believe into me. And sometimes we get caught up in thinking that believing into Jesus is a head thing or a heart thing. But no, this is the full description of what that means, I think. That believing into Jesus, that work, is living the same life as Jesus. Not modeling your life after him. uh, Not following instructions or commandments. But to share the blood. To share the essence of life. To have the same marrow. That that when we baptize, right? When you go to the table, you're eating. It's not just a... it, It is a meal. It's not just a meal. You're you're having this like bone marrow transplant kind of thing and that's what jesus is willing to give you not just crumbs right but those crumbs even the crumbs have the full you we that's how much we share in the life of jesus marrow of jesus bone so man man back in california bakersfield you go to those basque restaurants oxtail and you suck the marrow out of it that's where it's at i was thinking yeah Continue yeah, our Jonathan Gold my, my uh, tribute. Good stuff. Good stuff mm. on the gospel, Zach. Way to go. Mm. 
What uh, what are you listening to this week? Well, Matt, I'm still uh, still listening to Space Oddity the album and the last track on Space Oddity the album, which is perfect for the last track in the story of King David. Uh, it's called Memory of a Free Festival. Thinking back, remembering fondly the way Solomon uh, Solomon's dreams recall the early days of how great it was. But then at the end, it's a really sad song and yet kind of happy. It's perfect mix. Uh, it ends like the whole second half, like quantitatively of the song is uh, the sun machine is coming down and we're going to have a party. The sun machine is coming down and we're going to have a party and just repeating that over and over again, uh, which is a lovely way, I think, to end. The sun machine has come down. The sun machine, the S-O-N machine. I don't know. You could play that a lot there, a lot there to play with. Uh, Then, you know, I think life is just what this text is about, sharing in the life of Jesus. Uh, The Avett brothers, uh, my, my my high school friends, the Avett brothers, have a lovely song off of the Carpenter album. Uh, lots of their songs have, have some some quasi uh, religious stuff going on. By the way, we're gonna have a special pod with Alex uh, La Chapelle, La Chapelle, uh, who's uh, in uh, South Africa these days with the Yagam program. Who's an Avett Super Brothers fan for the theology of the Avett brothers? It's called Life. Uh, beautiful song. Listen to it. And finally, Kanye off of Yeezy, the 2013 album uh, Blood on the Leaves. That's what I got Ooh. this week. Dang, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, well, uh, I'm thinking of um, <laughs> out of box. Uh, it says that too. Uh, but Kendrick Lamar's dream is uh, very different in the song. Kendrick in backseat, backseat freestyle uh, makes me think of Solomon. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> his dreams uh, are a little bit different. REM, uh, I don't sleep, I dream from Monster. Uh, David's sleeping, uh, but not Solomon. He's dreaming. Uh, and then David Bowie finishing off this summer. Oh my goodness. Oh, you pretty things, which is what Solomon is going to become very enamored of. And then uh, a song called The Next Day. The Next Day from one of Bowie's last albums and that's uh that's what we're getting here david's going to sleep and we're thinking about the next day Mm. what comes next i like it man i like it what a summer zach what a summer summer. next week it's fall but we're still talking about bread (laughs) wrap it up oh good stuff good stuff uh so this has been uh three parts of our 99th episode yep episode 99 c See you next week. 100th episode. Be sure to download, subscribe. Matt might even find the landline to use for the 100th episode. Uh, But until then, it's been real. Real vinyl.